Welcome to Ono, oh Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Nick Little. I'm Carrie Poppy. Um, I, I'm Nick Little as well. Um, <laughs> hey, we've got two Nick Littles. I'm Spartacus. This, we, is, we this is how you know a lawyer's in the room, thinks on his feet. He's, I guess. <laughs> no, we have a special guest today. Nick Little. Nick Little. Welcome to Ono, Ross, well, and Carrie. Thank Kerry. you. Thank you. Good to be here. Our pleasure. You met Nick in... At, Las Vegas. Yes, at SciCon, and then again here in Los Angeles shortly thereafter. And Nick was giving an excellent talk about a fight against homeopathy. But Nick has a very special position as what, the sole lawyer? I am CFI's legal department, yes. At, at CFI. <laughs> this is it. Now the we, Center for Inquiry. Yeah, we talk about CFI every now and then on the show. We also talk about the CFIIG, the investigations group wing of CFI that I've been involved with for many, many years. And our first episode was recorded at the old CFI office. And guess what? We are now at the new CFI office, Whoa! which is still in LA, but now on Temple Street. Yeah. yeah, come on by, visit. There's going to be lectures, all kinds of stuff. And that's, uh, at least at the old one, that's where Carrie and I first met. That's right. The Going book club. book club. I'm now co-lead of that book club. We still meet every month if anybody's in L.A. and wants to come <laughs> talk about books. Always trying to get people to your book club. I am. Absolutely. The more the merrier. <laughs> Nick, how long have you been working with CFI? Just over six years. I think it was six years in September that I started. And how did they lure you in? I'd like to give this sort of great story about how, you know, I was led by the heart and emotion to the nonprofit world. But after law school, I worked for a big law firm. I represented Fortune 500 companies and received obscene paychecks Mm. (laughs) for so doing. And probably would have ended up doing that for the rest of my life. Because the paychecks are really compelling. (laughs) Sure. I'm sensing regret in (laughs) Nick's Um, and, And my phone went bankrupt. Really? Oh, my God. Um, okay. Which which kind of happens to law firms occasionally and just imploded. And through a combination of very weird circumstances, I was offered another couple of jobs and failed the conflicts check because of previous okay. work I've done. And then I was offered a job. And it turned out that it was the law firm that my brother works for in the London office, and they have anti-nepotism rules. Oh, right. Uh, but he's so, not your nephew. R- indeed. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've got, I need a job. Um, yeah. And I saw advertised that CFI, which was an organization I'll confess I had never heard of, hmm. was mm-hmm. looking for somebody to do First Amendment law, which was kind of a passion of mine. And so I applied without thinking a lot about it and then the more I looked at the organization I was like this is great and if I don't get out of the big law world now I'm never gonna do it oh right and so I took the plunge and I went off and worked for CFI and I always say that I much prefer my job now to my old job except Mm. for two days a month when the paychecks Uh, come in the the first one came in and I actually took it back to Ron Lindsay at the time and it was like I think there's a misprint here oh no "No, there's a zero missing somewhere oh my goodness a comma misplaced (laughs) we should probably describe CFI a little more Mm -hmm. the Center for Inquiry was founded in 1976 thereabouts yes by Paul Kurtz and other leading lights of the 
critical thinking, skeptical, humanist, atheist movement. You had Isaac Asimov, Carl Sagan, James Randi, a lot of those types involved early on. And it's kind of existed for many years in two parts. You have your Council for Secular Humanism, which is all about sort of that humanist side, more the philosophy side. And then what was originally the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry of Claims of the Paranormal? Oh, yeah, originally. Yeah. And I just know it as PSYCOP, yes. Oh, okay. I'm not sure I had ever known what the full <laughs> abbreviation stood for. I, I may have messed up the, the CSI part of it, because now it's just CSI. Correct. Uh, not to be confused with CSI Miami or any of the other TV shows, but it's the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. I, I think the original Psychop had a different uh, acronym, it, but it did. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the ballpark to too. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you came in six years ago. Now right. we really brushed past what sounded like a very juicy story. What the hell happened with your firm, and <laughs> what what were your conflicts of interest? This is the real juicy stuff, Nick. I wish. I mean, I wish. The the, the firm went bankrupt. They even had an L.A. office. Okay. Um, and they fell into the problem of expanding too quickly. And, oh, okay. And had a Salt Lake City office, I think, which never made any money. Okay. <laughs> Those Mormons. Damn Mormons. They don't do anything wrong. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and what happened with me on conflicts, the totally bizarre one was I had done seven hours work on a huge class action lawsuit that was representing, I can't even remember if we were representing or defending against the dairy farmers of America. It was like a milk price fixing Hmm. lawsuit. And I literally did seven billable hours on this. It was just something I filled in when I had some slow time. Uh. And we would have to have got a signature to waive the conflict from every single member of the plaintiff's class. And uh, that was, which was around like 45,000 every... dairy farmers in America. <laughs> I see, so I see. Probably oh. wasn't going to happen. So Nick could go off and work for another soulless Got it. big That's law firm. Wow. A milkier story than I thought, but not that juicy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then you came here. Also mm. soulless, but in a good way. Yes, yes, good soulless. So. <laughs> and, and you were drawn to the First Amendment side of yes. things. So why would CFI, what, why would they be interested in First Amendment law? Well, they advertised the position, and this was, I was a little concerned about it at first, because they described themselves as a secular organization. And I, the first time I read it, I thought it said sectarian oh, organization. Oh, so I was convinced I was <laughs> applying to sort of a Catholic human rights organization <laughs> or something. And it turns and out so it applied. wasn't. Um, so, yeah, it, it, the ad was talking all about sort of work in international human rights, work in church-state separation law. And if you look at law school, everyone takes the criminal law classes and everyone takes the constitutional law classes because mm. they're fun. And it's great. It provides you conversation to talk about in bars and when you're watching Law and Order and things. (laughs) And then you end up working proofreading 400-page contracts for an oil company. Nobody practices what they want to. And everybody goes to law school saying, you know, I'm going to be a public defender or I'm going to be a prosecutor or I'm going to, you know, sort of I'm going to work for a nonprofit. And no one ever does. You end up Mm -hmm. doing the drywalling of the, the lawyer industry. Yes. And you get rewarded very, very nicely for it. But every lawyer I know, they live for their pro bono cases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I had some great ones. Um, and it gives you a chance to, you know, you feel... I'm making the world a better place. Exactly. Yeah. One person at a time. You get the cool stories out of it. And I suddenly thought, 
maybe I will get to do this like all the time yeah. rather than the 5% of the time that my law firm would allow me to work and not get paid. Yeah. And you did. So and that, I did. So, so and, and here I am. Uh, okay, so what is the average day like for you? I am somewhat unique and I hate, sorry, I apologize because unique should never have uh, qualifiers qualifiers <laughs> like that. I'm, I'm unique in the, in the secular litigation world uh, in two different ways. Um, the first way is, is an internal way. Like I'm the only one of the secular lawyers who does in-house work as well. So I'm mm. responsible for as much of CFI's internal legal operations as I can do, because every dollar we don't spend on an outside lawyer is a dollar we can then spend on your programming, the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the programming. Hmm. So that is the part of my job that I am less, I would say, enamored with, but it's mm-hmm. stuff that needs to be done. I mean, it can be fun. This building we're in, I did a lot of work on the purchase of sure. this building. Employment um, contracts. Employment contracts, mm. rewriting our employee handbook, mm. organizing sexual harassment training seminars, mm-hmm. okay. all this kind of thing. And it's just like, it's stuff that needs to be done. does have a fun side to it because I am the libel lawyer for both of CFI's main publications, which is mm-hmm. ah. CSH's Free Inquiry, which mm-hmm. tends to do the church-state stuff, and Skeptical Inquirer, which is CSI's magazine, which does the, you know, the flat earth, the pseudoscience, the Bigfoot kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yes, <laughs> that's why Carrie has written for that particular mm-hmm. magazine. Exactly, mm-hmm. and because we're a organization that takes on some reasonably powerful groups on the one hand and also takes on some people with rather crazy viewpoints who are very dedicated to those beliefs, such as the Flat Earthers, for example. For sure. We run the the potential of getting into a lot of libel issues. So I work on that. That's, That's the inside work. The outside work, again, the second way in which I'm unique in the secular litigation world is I don't just do the church-state cases. I, I do the church-state First Amendment cases. But because we have CSI as well, I've started to look at developing a new type of litigation that I call suing for science. Okay. So oh. it's a good, good label. Read about me in Skeptical Inquirer, where I wrote an article called <laughs> Suing for Science. Oh, nice. I'm intrigued. And, uh, yeah, trying to use laws around the country, in particular the states have consumer protection laws, and using those to challenge the people who are making billions upon billions of dollars out of selling pseudoscientific nonsense to people, whether it's psychics and fortune tellers or what I'm doing most of my work on at the moment is the alt-med people. Interesting. I'm curious to know kind of what hooks you have in the law to say what you're doing is illegal, because I know oftentimes it seems like society sort of treats people who fall for some of these products and services as they're the problem. Well, you weren't smart enough to realize you were being taken mm-hmm. advantage of. Anyone can buy anything. Yeah, it's a free marketplace. And, you know, as long as you put the little slogan somewhere that says, oh, this is not approved by the FDA, you can get away with a lot. So so what is your purchase there? And that that's actually been the real problem. The first conversation I ever had at CFI uh, with Ron Lindsay, who was then the president and CEO, was how the hell can we sue Target for selling homeopathy. Mm-hmm. And we went back and forth, and it was something we talked about pretty much every week, whether it was for 15 minutes or 
two hours or whatever about how can we do this? And every idea we came up with was just, no, that's not going to work. It's not mm. going to work for one reason or another reason. One of the biggest problems you get is the notion of standing, which I don't know if if this is something either of you two know particularly about. Yeah, like standing, in my layman's understanding is you have a stake in this case. You know, you're affected by the outcome of it. Mm. Yeah, it's skin in the game. Um, And it usually has to be expressed in terms of locality, like... Locality and generally speaking, it needs to be financial. Financial. Okay. The court system does not want people just suing because they don't like stuff. So they say you have to have been harmed by something. This is a major problem for us on homeopathy. Firstly, because (laughs) homeopathy is nothing. Right. (laughs) You know, you're not getting... damaging products on the whole because you're getting sugar pills right or vials of water for those of the listeners who haven't heard our previous coverage of homeopathy where we've overdosed on homeopathy it's not just a synonym for natural medicine Uh, it's it's actually there's there's a philosophy behind it that you take an active substance that would harm you and you dilute it to an absurd level to the point where there's statistically zero chance of having an original molecule of the substance in the the water that creates the sugar pill or the tincture or whatever it is you're drinking. And so essentially you're taking water, but with the idea that that water has a memory, mm-hmm. uh, which it does not. Right. <laughs> um, so there are people who are actually genuinely hurt by homeopathy and because there are no controls over the industry, no effective controls. Hmm. So you get tainted products and there were hmm. children harmed by teething tablets uh, from, oh, I believe right. it was Highlands. Ah. Because, and this seems like the most logical thing in the world to make a teething tablet out of, the ingredient, the allegedly active ingredient before it was diluted down is belladonna, better known a as poison. deadly nightshade. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Bit of a hint, if there's deadly in the name of a product, it's probably not the best... For teething children. For teething infants. Killer whales are nice, though. Yes. Oh, yeah. Let's, yes. let's all pause yes. and consider. Yes, okay, know. great, go on. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, there were, there were a lot of children made sick by the wrong level of belladonna being put in this, but again... I'm a one-man legal shop. We're a small non-profit. Those people are going to go to plaintiff's lawyers who are in the position to, you know, file a lawsuit and get them a settlement check. Mm. Mm. They're not going to come to CFI. What about our members? Because there's another harm of homeopathy. There's, there's two specific other harms I mentioned in the lawsuit. The first is you're getting ripped off. Mm-hmm. You know, you pay... $28.99 for a pack of acylacoconum. That's $28.99 you've lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, if you bought acylacoconum to treat the flu, mm-hmm. opportunity you cost. have an opportunity cost because you are suffering from the flu longer than you yes. than you would. And okay, that sucks. It's not a huge loss. but I mean, a you- lot of people die from flu every year. Yeah, then yeah. then you start looking at children on this, and that's that's where I have particular problems. Who mm-hmm. you have children with ear infections mm-hmm. who are taking home, not taking because that implies they have agency mm-hmm. in this. Whose parents are giving them homeopathic remedies, mm-hmm. and I right. hate even using, using homeopathic those words together. Is yeah, a, is, mm-hmm. a, is a better way of looking at. And instead of antibiotics, they suffer long term hearing loss. Mm. Oh. 
it's, or it's asthma. Children's can, asthma medicine. They they sell homeopathic asthma medicine. Like mm. in a drug trial, you want to have placebos in the mix so you don't know whether you've got the active substance or not. But essentially what homeopathy, being on the shelves alongside the other products, similarly colored, similarly labeled, naming the thing that you think that you're treating, you're essentially you're, you're giving yourself a 50-50 chance of grabbing a placebo uh, yeah. off the and shelf. And that's where we came in the end to what our hook was. Yeah. Mm. Because even that, even with those harms, we still didn't have the people who were harmed. Our members don't tend to buy homeopathy because they know it's crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have those those people in it. So I then found a the DC Consumer Protection Statute, which is a very good consumer protection statute. And there was a case interpreting it. And some cases have great names that just stick in your mind. And I the only reason I read this case was because of the name. It was called Bimbo Bakeries, which was a... <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. I've, a, I've seen their trucks driving around. <laughs> that truck says Bimbo. And it can, um, a <laughs> crash. <laughs> small DC-based nonprofit sued under DC's consumer protection laws about the amount of whole grain in Bimbo Bakeries bread. Okay. Oh. I don't know what happened in the case, but I do know they were allowed to continue and were considered to have standing because they were representing the DC population on behalf of it. And so, like, a light bulb comically uh, <laughs> went on above my head. Why, why do people care about how much grain is in this thing? Is it a gluten-free because it was thing? Simply because, you know, they were claiming this was a health product with a large quantity uh, of whole grain. Uh, and oh, it was, okay. It was deceptive this- marketing. Okay. Reminds me of, I, I don't remember which hamburger chain it was, but, you know, there was like a quarter pounder or something and someone weighed it and after it had been cooked, it was it was not that heavy. And so they sued over that. This is my very anecdotal. Right. I, I ended up in a plaintiff's class action when I owned a Hyundai because my Hyundai was adver- was advertised at 140 horsepower and they tested and it was 139.6 <laughs> horsepower. Oh, people. So in the settlement, I got a voucher that lasted for sick. six months for $50 off my next purchase of a Hyundai. Oh, God. Which was not the most useful settlement ever. Um, I like your logic, Carrie. You know, sometimes your horse needs your a day horse off. Your tired. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we... We we found this case and it was like so we can sue on behalf of the DC population. Mm-hmm. Um, it's known as doing a private attorney general lawsuit. And we looked at it and we thought, yeah, how are we? What are they doing illegal? How are they they misrepresenting it? Because there's been all of these lawsuits about suing the manufacturers of homeopathy mm-hmm. about right. what they write on the packages and. Unfortunately, the FDA is not doing its job properly. The FTC is not doing its job properly. They're letting them get away with this. And then suddenly I was walking down in CVS. Mm -hmm. I think it was buying a pack of cigarettes, which shows you how long ago it was because CVS no longer sells them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, CVS is a uh, drugstore here in the States. Ah, is is CVS not a a Los Angeles Oh, no, I I just, I I was saying here in the States for international listeners. Yes. And sometimes people aren't from Uh. America. (laughs) (laughs) Right next to your bimbo bakery, there's usually a CVS. CVS. (laughs) So you walk in, if if you go into CVS to buy medicine of some time, Mm -hmm. there'll be a big sign hanging from the roof, which says pharmacy. So you go over to the pharmacy section and then that's in aisles and the aisles are labeled. You'll have a... Pain relief aisle, a first aid aisle, a cold and flu aisle. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
So you go down cold and flu and there'll be Tylenol cold and sinus. There'll be Motrin rapid relief or whatever. And then you see a silicocinum, mm-hmm. hmm. which says on the packaging for flu symptoms, because they can't say it cures flu. But my argument is, and I don't think this is a particularly radical argument mm-hmm. to make, is that if you put something underneath a sign that says cold and flu, you are representing to people that it treats cold and flu. Oh, yeah. That sounds very reasonable. Yeah. It doesn't. Oh. Oh. And because it doesn't treat cold and flu. Uh, oh, oh! Yes. I thought you were saying it <laughs> no, doesn't seem reasonable. No, oh, okay. well, uh, to CVS apparently, it <laughs> right? Seem reasonable. But yeah, it does. It simply does not treat cold and flu. It's, Absolutely, it's, it's a sham. Now that's interesting. Do mm. they within the CVS? Do they separate homeopathic products amongst those different aisles, or do they have kind of one section that's all the homeopathy together? No, it's it's in different aisles, and it's not even broken down within the aisle. So it'll be. You look at children's cough medication, there'll be the bottles, you'll go real medicine, homeopathy, real medicine, real medicine, homeopathy. Mm-hmm. So hmm. it's giving false information to the consumers. So we realized when we went into this, we can't stop them from selling it. You know, they're mm-hmm. legally allowed to sell it. It's okay. unfortunate. I wish they didn't sell it. But mm-hmm. the argument I've been making it to try and convince these companies is that this is in your own interest. This is because what we want is that anybody who wants homeopathy can go in there and find homeopathy. And anyone who wants real medicine that will actually cure or alleviate their disease <laughs> doesn't buy homeopathy by mistake. Hmm. So what we've asked them to do is to is two things is to put it in a separate section labeled mm-hmm. I wanted complete rip off will do you no good but apparently <laughs> that doesn't work with their marketing huh, strategy. That seems Weird. neutral to me. I thought that. Um so to label it homeopathy and then also on the shelves to put there's the FTC has issued a statement the Federal Trade Commission which regulates uh, how drugs are marketed. They have a, a, a statement which they have said this is sufficient that advertising for homeopathic products isn't deceptive. And it essentially says this product is based on German theories from the 18th century that have no scientific evidence to support them. And the vast majority of modern physicians do not believe that this has any effects. So we want hmm. that displayed on the shelves as well. Uh-huh. Okay. Unfortunately, and it's a horrible, horrible reflection on the world we're in, I actually think they would sell more of the product if they did that. Oh, because this is the, not from the medical the establishment. Level of the mistrust mm. of, of big pharma mm. Mm. on it. But in the end, we have to just accept that if we're going to do anything, the person we're trying to protect is like the, it's, it's you know, the mother at the end of a day's work whose kid has pink eye and is screaming and you just wants to go home and she parks outside the CVS and runs into the store and it's just, you know what it's like. You, you're not, yeah. you know, you're not a doctor and you see there's these yeah. like 50 products to treat the same thing. So you grab. And one says, you know, no side effects, all natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's exactly it. They, they go beyond just the, hey, let's be confused over this. They put words on there that are, are just designed to appeal to parents, to certain types yeah, of consumers. Yeah, their anxieties about being yeah. a parent, yeah. Well, Carrie, uh, just after speaking with Nick, I know mm-hmm. we'll get back to this, but I just have to ask you, what would you call one of the worst discoveries ever in the history of medicine? 
Samuel Hahnemann's homeopathy. Yeah, that was a bad discovery. That was not good. What do, what do you think is the greatest discovery? Well, I would have to say the podcast on Maximum Fun called The Greatest Discovery. Oh, agree. Nearly two decades ago, Commander Data sacrificed his life. The Greatest Discovery is also about Star Trek Picard. Jesse Thorne won't let us stay on the network unless we do all the Star Trek series, and so here we are, doing a show about maybe our favorite Star Trek character of all time. If you're excited to watch the new Star Trek Picard series and you'd like some veteran Star Trek podcasters to watch it along with, we're your guys. Sorry you're stuck with us. The hell are you doing out here, Picard? Saving the galaxy. So subscribe to The Greatest Discovery. You can find it anywhere you find podcasts. Or at MaximumFun.org. Okay, so I am with you on your goal, but I'm following this argument and I think I see a plot hole. So, okay, so you're saying they put it under cold and flu, but they're not really treating cold and flu. Mm -hmm. Now, if I go and get Tylenol cold and flu, I'm not treating the virus. I'm treating the symptoms I get as a result of the virus, right? So I'm still not treating cold and flu. But you are providing relief for the symptoms of cold and flu. That's true. But even with homeopathy, with the placebo effect, you are relieving pain to some degree and a person's suffering. Right. However, it would not be acceptable for them to place just placebos there and call it, you know, sort of like flu ease or something. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't be allowed, Mm. but that is actually what is allowed with homeopathy. I don't think I follow. Okay. If they put something, okay, put just a placebo pill that wasn't called homeopathy, you're saying? That wasn't called homeopathy and and called it, yeah, flu something or cold calm, I believe, which actually is a homeopathic (laughs) product. Or... Teething be gone, mm-hmm. or these, and it was, so uh, they, they put all this stuff on the label, including, you know, sort of, this contains active ingredient, and then put a Latin name after it, and right. then put 1000X. a level after it, yeah. yeah, and that active ingredient isn't in there, mm-hmm. in the end, they would be, that would be deceiving customers under... Oh, I agree, it's deceiving them. And it would be illegal under any consumer protection laws, but homeopathy has these special carve-outs. Oh, okay, so tell me about that. How does homeopathy get this special standard? Yeah, is then? this written into law? It's written into federal law, essentially. Yeah, they, ah. Homeopathic products do not have to be tested in the same way uh, for safety and efficacy that real medicine ah, has to okay. be tested. Now, there's a problem all across the, um, the supplements industry. But homeopathy in particular, and, and I apologize that I have forgotten the person's name and what state he was. There was a senator who was a homeopath. And when the, the Food and Drug Act was put in, he put in this carve out for homeopathy. So if you look at over-the-counter medications, mm-hmm. if you want to bring a new aspirin to the market, mm-hmm. you don't have to go right back to the beginning and test everything through that process because aspirin has already been tested through that process. However, you do have to report, you know, show that A, it is aspirin that's in your your product, and then that that you're having the right standards of purity. Mm. Sourcing it safely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Homeopathy simply never, doesn't even have to go through that initial testing for efficacy. It's anything that is listed in the HPUS, which is the big bumper book of 
their homeopathy. Homeopathic Bible, yeah. F- yeah, a homeopathic pharmacopoeia or mm. something mm-hmm. can be sold on that for that purpose because the general idea is from the government that it's like, well, it's not going to harm anybody. Right. You know, because it's there's nothing in there. And they are absolutely right when they put on there, you know, sort of will not interact with any other drugs. Mm-hmm. Of course yeah. it won't. Right. <laughs> because there's nothing in there. There's no interact. side effects because right. there's no effects. Absolutely. So homeopathy has a special little space carved out and they've really exploited this yeah um, boy this one senator really fucked things up right yes. that just goes to show you how important legislation can be and how harmful it can be if done wrong is there any way to go after that to get we've that tried, invalidated we've tried going after and this is this is part of the big problem that we're facing and we faced in working out how to bring the sodas because the fda the food and drug administration and the ftc the federal trade commission both are required to regulate the the drug industry and mm-hmm. also the homeopathic industry. Yeah. They don't do it. Mm. They just, they don't do it. You, But it is almost impossible to sue the government for not doing its job. Hmm. Yeah, right, because everyone's making these these analyses of where do we spend our time and money. Right. Yeah, uh, and of course, the things that are actively killing people are going to be triaged first instead of the things passively hurting I was, people. I was mm. specifically told that by mm. um, That's a, good point. a person from the D.C. Consumer Protection mm. uh, Department mm-hmm. because initially, before I sued, I filed a complaint with the D.C. Consumer Protection Bureau. And a guy spoke to me off the record because he had retired in that time. I hope I'm not getting him in trouble here at all. Oh. But, um, so far, we just know he's a guy. So <laughs> Yes. Uh, and one of the guys, you're saying, listen, I love your suit. I think it's great. I think, you know, this is what they're doing is terrible. And what kind of suit were you wearing? I'll <laughs> <laughs> so stop. Go on. Uh, <laughs> so, really yeah, you. it was like, I would love to take this on. I think they are irresponsible. Um, I think something should be done about it. But I have people mailing fake cancer cures to old age pensioners in northeast DC who are living in public housing. You gotta shut that down. And I've got three people Uh, who work in the department. I I just don't have time. So what I needed, and it's it's another thing, another requirement for most lawsuits, is you have to show that you tried to do it without suing. Uh, Ah, right. So Hmm. I could show that I'd gone to the DC government and said, do something about this, and they'd say no. So okay, and yet they would like to if they had adequate staff, right? Which they of course can't put on the record um, uh, and won't put on the record. Mm. But I don't need them to. I just need them to say that my complaint is not going to be moved forward on mm. through that avenue. Yeah. So I've had huh. spent all this time surreptitiously wandering around CVS taking photos with my cell phone, and actually got asked what I was doing in one and it's like I didn't have a very good answer it was like I just <laughs> hadn't thought about it yeah. because I guess not many people take pictures of shelf displays yeah. in drugstores weird yeah. I actually had to do that a lot when I was a nanny because like the overbearing mother would want to see every single thing I was buying so I feel like that's probably more common now that oh, would wow. have been a good a <laughs> good right. answer to it I oh, yeah. should have responded I so, work for an overbearing mother <laughs> yeah. so so yeah I sued I sued CVS first in that and then I decided that suing America's biggest 
pharmacist being a one-person legal <laughs> shop wasn't busy enough, so I sued oh. the world's biggest retailer. Oh. On oh, top of it. Okay, wait. Walmart? Walmart. Hey! Hey! hey. <laughs> <laughs> for doing exactly the same thing. Uh, right. So I now okay. have two suits running at the same time. Ah. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So uh, legal department of one versus, do they have more than one lawyer at Walmart? They have more than They actually have two law firms on this one case. Uh, um, oh. uh, wow. Deckert, which is, I think, like the eighth largest firm in the United States. And cool, then a cool. firm whose name I've forgotten, which is, I think, the fourth largest firm in the world. There we are. Wow. And the lawyer, the main lawyer on it, is actually an old colleague of mine from the law firm that went oh. bankrupt. Oh, my gosh. So. Uh, Call you on the side like, she, hey. Yeah, she she called me up and it was like, I'm wondering, is this you? And then I, when I answered <laughs> is this the phone, the same Nick going, Little? I, I'm guessing this is the same <laughs> Nick Little. Did she try to talk you out of it on the side? Nope. But there, there are good things in that because that we know each other. It, it cuts through a lot of the the BS and mm-hmm. um, a lot know, of if, nonsense if antagonism, need, probably. Yeah, if we need an extra week to file something, we're not going to mess around with each other. In fact, tomorrow in the CVS case, I, I just had abject panic because I was meant to be at the status conference, which is where you turn up and tell the judge that nothing has happened in D.C. Friday morning. And of course, I'm here in L.A. and it's Wednesday night. So that was a little disturbing. So two weeks ago, I filed to move that date and the court just did nothing. But today they finally issued an order that pushes it into next year. So, okay, oh, you'll get to sleep. I will get to sleep. I will not have to take the red eye back on Thursday. And in that case, where we are in that case is we had negotiations with CVS. They were actually, to their credit, they were very open to discussions. Um, okay. They made some offers. They didn't go far enough. Uh, yeah, what, what we were the, the offers? Like, we'll add signage or something? I, unfortunately, at this stage, I can't oh, discuss what fair um, enough. specifically was in the office, but it didn't go all the way to what we wanted. So they filed what's called a motion to dismiss, which mm-hmm. is basically asking the judge to rule that under no set of facts can we you- possibly win. And so they're making arguments like that we expected them to like, this should be done by the FDA and the FTC and Mm -hmm. you as a state court have no right to Uh. intervene with that. And we filed our response to that. And so that's now with the judge. And it's been with the judge for a long time now. It's like three months or so. Hmm. And you can never really read the tea leaves on this sort of thing. But Mm -hmm. my guess is that's very good news for us. It wasn't an instant dismissal. If he'd wanted to get rid of the case, I think he might have done it quickly. And he hasn't. Mm -hmm. So we have then, with the Walmart situation, we've agreed to delay everything until the judge rules on this. Because even though it's in the CVS case, it's going to have a very big impact on yeah. the Walmart case. Oh, right. Yeah. And I was very clear with them. It's like, we can settle this beforehand, but if we win the motion to dismiss against CVS, the price goes up. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I'm in a much stronger position in negotiations. So a little bit of game theory going on here now. Absolutely. So we're, we're currently involved in talks with Walmart. Again, they are being very receptive at least to the idea of talking great um so i would imagine sometime in the spring i will be going down to arkansas which is a 
depressing concept. Hey, there's the Ozark Mountain UFO conference down there. We highly recommend. Mm -hmm. I'll see if I can get it to to cross over. (laughs) You'll see if I you can get it to (laughs) cross Thank you for letting it not be me this time. Yeah, all right, you're welcome. Appreciate it. Carrying the load. Um, There are other retailers out there. Yeah. who are watching this with interest, I'm sure. I would, well, I hope they are. I can't, again, for various reasons, say who's next in yeah. line, but sure. we're already deciding. But you watch next. yourself, retailer who Bimbo will not be named. Bakery. <laughs> <laughs> At the moment, it has to be people in DC that have a physical presence in, in DC, DC. Okay. Because that's the law we're using. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is fascinating because all within the span of this one story, we have kind of examples of the system not working, mm-hmm. but also the system being a great equalizer to allow you as the sole lawyer at CFI to just wade into battle Don Quixote style. Right. You see, thank you, because I've been calling it David versus Goliath style, and that gets really <laughs> unpopular with the, the atheists <laughs> in our lot. So I'll now call it Don Quixote style. Oh, there you style. go. There you go. Um, great. Okay. Tilting at Walmart's. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'll 100% honest. When I filed these, it was, I expected this was uh, going to get thrown out, dismissed, yeah. uh, that I wouldn't be taken seriously mm-hmm. by the lawyers, but sometimes I think I don't give myself enough credit yeah. on this. They're actually, they're taking it seriously. The thing is, the amount of money that is at stake is potentially staggering. Because, mm. yeah, how sure. big is the homeopathic industry? Uh, the, the homeopathic industry is, it's a multi-billion dollar industry Okay. in the United States. But uh, we can only sue on the sales inside the District of Columbia. Okay. Right. But the way the law is written is it covers three years. So it will be going back for every sale in the past three years, and each sale is a separate offense. Mm. And the offense is, the penalty is the cost of the product or $1,500, whichever is higher. (laughs) Oh, okay. So potentially CVS could, now it's extremely unlikely a judge would allow this, but potentially CVS could be on the hook for Within the District of Columbia, every single sale of homeopathic products they have made for the last three years, plus any time from when I filed onwards, times times $1,500. Oh, boy. I feel like that math maps well to the logic of homeopathy. I I couldn't agree more. (laughs) I mean, it would obviously be fantastic. I, I have dreamt. Yeah, of, you know, I've actually had genuine dreams where I've been sitting down and the jury's reading out, look like, how, awarding me. Look how potent that one little purchase is. Million dollars <laughs> yeah. in damages. I keep thinking you should tell CVS, like, okay, you know what? Just keep offering it, but you have to accept homeopathic money. So every time right. it's three dollars, it's actually three cents. It's like one hundred. Which I actually used that example yeah. okay, in, my, nice. in my psychon speech. Oh, oh, nice. Okay. It was what was it? There was there's homeopathic money, which you know the world's first homeopathic millionaire, and it's like a penny, and it's like Monaco's army being the most powerful army in the world. And, oh, right. Uh, what's the other? It was like. Yes, it, it's as ridiculous as suggesting that Wyoming should have the same number of senators as California. Touche. Well, Carrie, I'm afraid I'm going to have to interrupt our wonderful discussion with Nick Little. Oh, yeah? To tell you about one of my best fiends. Oh, one of your best fiends. Not one of your best friends. No, that's different. So I one mean, of your best fiends is what? Homeopathy? 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, I'm talking about best fiends, the fiends that I love to be fiends with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is the game Best Fiends. Uh, oh, yes. That game that you like to play on your yeah, phone. Yeah, we've talked about it. I, I had very rapidly accelerated the last time that we talked about Best Fiends because they are a sponsor of Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Ah, uh, right. We are supported in part by Best Fiends. You can get it on the Apple App Store or Google Play. And uh, I am now, I have reached the high level of 790. Oh, whoa. 790. uh, Out of how many? You know what? I don't know if this thing ever ends. It just keeps going and going. It keeps going. Yeah. I'm traveling through this world. I've gone far. I'm showing Carrie as I endlessly scroll across this not flat earth. Very pretty, but not exactly spherical earth either because it's only going on one axis it's something non-euclidean but uh yeah there's some funny physics going on it's like wheel earth yeah it's fun game you collect lots of characters there's upgrades to make it's it's a free download but there's in-app purchases to help you kind of accelerate through all of this but you can do it without those as well Um, nice who's your favorite fiend actually i have two now before it was all about bam I still love mm, Bam. It's mm-hmm. uh, a good name. Yeah, he's an advanced one. So you have to clear enough strawberries and then you get Bam. Uh, and then it, <laughs> it clears the whole board. Mm-hmm. It's a power move. Okay. Uh, but now get I've got enough an- strawberries, you get Bam. I've got another one of those, Rue. Oh, she's cute. Yeah, kind of like if, uh, if a panda were to become a bug. Yeah, 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 yeah. She has this bright purple ball, and once you hit it three times, it starts clearing a ton of stuff. Nice. Uh, Yeah, they're little puzzles. It keeps the brain busy, and uh, I'll I'll play it while I'm, you know, watching an episode of Extras with my son or uh, listening to an audiobook. It's kind of thing that doesn't require the language processing of my brain. Gotcha. It's like a casual game. Yeah, exactly. play it. Not just for hardcore gamers. Gotcha. And you can connect on Facebook with friends, so I'll see my buddies on there and send them gifts, and they send me gifts. There's all kinds of things going on, things to track, and uh, it's very it's very compelling. So do you need to be on Wi-Fi? Amazing fact. No. No? You okay. Don't. Another amazing fact, the mark of the beast is, is... <laughs> forced Sunday worship. But, oh, right, right, right. Yes. But going back to these amazing facts, yeah, you, you can do it offline, which is pretty cool because there's a lot of games and language learning apps that I use every day. And uh, sometimes when you don't have internet, you're like, oh, no. I right, right. I can't do this right now. This one you can do right now. This one you can do right now. So engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. With over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. And back to the interview. Well, have you thought about doing a, what are they called, a ballot amendment? Like in California, we can basically just say... Hey, we want to change the law now. And if you get 100,000 people to sign your petition, it goes on the ballot. A ballot initiative, that's what it's called. The trouble with that is that really would be struck down under the concept of preemption straight away, which is preemption is if there's a federal law about something, mm-hmm. a state can't oh, right. do anything about it. Like, so a state, for example, can't ban tobacco. Right, okay. Um, you know, the, because the, the federal government has regulated the tobacco oh, space. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And a state can't now say we don't marry gay people or, yeah, well, because that, that's against it, the federal that's law. That's not so much preemption. That's because the federal constitution has been held to require that same-sex marriages are allowed. That precedent has been established. Yeah, uh, guns are one of the best examples of this. There are are a lot of restrictions on what limits. Is a state allowed, to example, can states sue gun manufacturers? Mm Mm-hmm. 
well, the federal government has turned in and given gun manufacturers a lot of exemptions mm-hmm. from this. And so a state can't overrule the federal government. Oh, right. Mm. Okay, I'm, I'm following now. I was thinking a ballot initiative that says, for example, in California, you have to label this placebo mm-hmm. on on the label and then once they're like oh this huge market california right. they're going to end up putting it on all their bottles uh, that would be great the my first problem that i see in that is that yes yeah, to do with labeling and they're just going to turn around and say the fda and the ftc control labeling you are preempted from a state rule about this they didn't do that with the gmo labeling indeed but the fda doesn't have to the best of my knowledge the fda has no regulations on gmo labeling right i think that's right yeah okay the other reason is i'm a lawyer not a lobbyist as well sure and yeah you're trying to put me out of a job which i find <laughs> kind of offensive <laughs> so, no um, i no, want to see you outside of a store with a with a I would, I would <laughs> love that to happen you part of this is you guys are Californians you think of ballot initiatives first mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. I'm a lawyer and two I'm an east coast person we don't tend to have ballot initiatives oh, right. in a lot of the states but we um, sneakily change the whole country with them it's kind of yes. like a, well because you're rather large <laughs> it's kind of like Texas with their well, uh, school books yes. where mm-hmm. they compose so much weight if they approve a creationist book What's then the, there's that great book that every skeptic should read it's lies my teacher told me yes ah, yeah. um, love that book and then lies across America is the follow up to it about monuments you've not read the follow up not the follow up the follow up okay Okay. So so let's say best case scenario, we get the non-homeopathic money, the decision, you know, in DC. Do you start going after those other companies in DC or does this now establish kind of a precedent that you can use in other territories? The court can only rule on what goes on in the District of Columbia, which, as you know, is not the biggest place in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, our negotiations with CVS and with Walmart, we've made very, very clear that if we settle this, if we're going to walk away from the litigation, mm-hmm. you're doing this nationwide. And uh-huh. if you don't, if we go all the way to court and we win, yeah, I start looking at Virginia's consumer protection laws and then mm. Maryland's and okay. then Delaware's and then North Carolina, South Carolina. And eventually when I'm like 450 years old, I'll have got far <laughs> enough west on these it, that... It'll spread like an you. infection that homeopathy Absolutely. cannot stop. Yes, <laughs> we like it. Any infection, then, uh, that would be. So also in the best case scenario, I don't know, we're setting this up for kind of an Aaron Brockovich, Dark Water story. Who plays you in the movie? Ooh. Uh, unfortunately, Philip Seymour Hoffman is dead. Gah. Um, and I've, I've been accused of being Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, even oh wow. After, is that an accusation? after he's dead. It was, like, a little disturbing. I'm going to assume they didn't know he was dead, but okay. <laughs> One would hope so. Um, but yes, somebody in a bar in Nashville absolutely refused to accept that I wasn't Philip Oh, wow. Well, we'll bring him and back to life in here. Yes, yeah. I was trying to explain that I don't think he has the same accent. As no, him. certainly not. Um, I feel like uh, Peter Sarsgaard would be a good Nick ooh, Little. There you go. I, yeah. could, I could handle that. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. I'll call him. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool, 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 cool. Now, what about this gray area of homeopathy where, you know, they've only succussed it twice or whatever, and they say, this is homeopathic medicine, but it actually does have an active ingredient in it. Like Zycam or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, zinc yeah. Zycam. And it'll be like, yeah, zinc that's been succussed three times, which, which is an slightly diluted. Yeah. Right. yeah. What do you do with that? Where does that go? I mean, our argument is that this is 
still the same because in essence it's we're not getting involved necessarily in the level of dilution or anything it's like you have no evidence that this product works okay for the claims you are making about it also that's a problem i mean i would love to have in the end if i sure. have to turn around and not get damages for the sales of zinc right mm. sure i'm gonna live with that yeah 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 and believe me in the first settlement negotiations i have they raised mm. this whole well what about homeopathic products that you know yeah. aren't dilute and i'm going well they're not homeopathic right then they're why mislabeled are you that's a whole other thing yeah. <laughs> you're just performing a different dilution right there right <laughs> the fun part of it actually has been like educating the lawyers on the other side as right. well because they go into this and, and a lot of them don't necessarily know what homeopathy is yep. and right I, I've had friends of mine come up to me and it's like Nick I, I normally really agree with everything you do but why are you trying to take away my St. John's wart or oh, this? Right. I'm not you idiot that's, that's <laughs> That is how you should approach it. Yeah, events. unfortunately, I get a little um, <laughs> intolerant on this sometimes. But that's kind of why we led with that, because, yeah, for a lot of people, yeah. homeopathy is just a synonym for natural medicine, yeah. alternative medicine. And that whole issue of people labeling something that's only been diluted twice homeopathy, we, that doesn't help clear up the situation. Absolutely not. And, yeah, and yeah if I think because we did the type of retailers we're dealing with, if any decision was that they had to move everything except for like the, yeah. the zinc to a homeopathy section. I think they'd probably move the zinc to the homeopathy section as well. Yeah. Just because it would fit in with their marketing strategy. Yeah, but then I'm like, oh, then someone might think, mm -hmm. some someone who's like, I'm going to do a homeopathic overdose goes over there. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, overdoses on zinc. I know this is a very small segment of the population I'm worrying about. We need the a homeopathic overdosers. <laughs> we need a, you're right. <laughs> That's a, it's actually my plan if I'm allowed to do it is to, if this goes to a trial, is to take homeopathic sleeping Oh, yeah. In the, the trial. trial. Oh, oh, damn, Nick. Yeah, that's a good courtroom movie. Fine. Exactly. Yeah, um, totally. Unfortunately, Peter, like, all Peter. good courtroom stuff, it, like in the movies, it's oh. like you have to be very careful that a judge doesn't hold you in contempt and say, oh, oh really? asleep sure. in the cells. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm picturing Miracle on 34th Street where they bring in the big piles of Santa Claus Santa mail. And they dump it and it buries the judge. Yes. Yeah, I'm picturing something like that, but with homeopathy. Yeah, it's um, unfortunately those things tend to be Hollywood oh. rather than yeah. actual so good. real life. Yeah. Here is evidence that some people believe this. I'm picturing, okay, so we have the medicine aisle and there's the white section on one side and there's the black section on the other and there's a gradation and then we put those zinc medicines in the gray area. Yeah. Oh, 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 literal gray the area. literal okay, gray. great. Perfect. Believe me, I am looking forward to the problems of sorting yeah. out things on the margin on it. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah. Kind, of, kind of like the FTC, you have to go after the more clear-cut case right. first. And mm -hmm. acilococcinum is just such a categorically stupid, ridiculous thing. It's And like, if it were what it says it is, you're hurting a nice little duck for no reason. Is it a duck well, or a goose? It's, it's a duck. It's the Muscovy yeah. duck. It's the, the uh -huh. active ingredient is the heart and liver of the Muscovy duck. Can you believe this bullshit? Oh. I know. Well, but at, at least, least it's you can not get, in there. Yeah, you can yeah, get a lifetime it. supply. I, I would love <laughs> to discover just how many 
dark hearts and livers that they've, <laughs> yeah. they've had to use on this because the dilution level is 10 to the power of 400. Yeah. Wow, for those... Uh... And to give you an idea of basically the size of that number, yeah. there are believed to be 10 to the power of 80 atoms in the known universe. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, it's not... Adam's not that common a name, so I feel like... <laughs> are we... Uh, is this more... It's Mock Nick's accent time. No, oh, no, no. Uh, now this just... Is, this is just no, wanton punning. <laughs> Those are the same word styles. Yes. Yeah, I mean, these are these are problems I will love to have in the future. Yeah, Fantastic. I sincerely hope I do have them. Well, well, while we're tilting at Walmarts, are there any fun victories that you've had in your tenure at CFI? Well, we work on the secular celebrants, Mattis, oh. which oh, is, right. you know, letting the people we train perform marriages. And actually, the technical term is solemnize the marriage, which yeah. is signing the... Mm. Right. I, I need to get in on that because I must admit I'm a member of the Universal Life Church. Absolutely. And officiated um, eight weddings now. Yes. And you can do that because it calls itself a religion. Right. If we called ourselves religious, we'd be allowed to do it. And that's but the, you're standing on principle. That's the asinine nature of this. So yeah. we won that in Indiana. Well, we actually lost in Indiana, then won on appeal at the Seventh Circuit. Oh. Then we won in Illinois. There's been, we've done this by legislation in D.C. and in Washington and maybe Oregon. Exactly. We are currently, we have a lawsuit in Minnes- Michigan and a lawsuit in Texas yeah. on this. And okay. we lost in Texas. And it was just one of the worst opinions I've ever read. It Like, it should have come in crayon because it looked like it was written by a five-year-old. We know a guy in Texas with crayons. Um, we'll tell you about it later. Yes. <laughs> and so we're appealing that to the Fifth Circuit. And if we lose at the Fifth Circuit, we're then appealing to the Supreme Court. So, yeah, that's that's good. Exciting. There's been a lot of, like, small victories, like with the libel things. Mm. Like, yeah. It was a murder case where a person had beaten his, I believe, eight-year-old son to death with a belt as part of an exorcism oh oh yeah um and it's it was this horrible horrible horrific case and Mm -hmm. um we'd commented on it and he i believe he lived in georgia and he attended church in just across the border in tennessee and we in an article mistakenly said he lived in tennessee and had attended church across the border. oh how horrible of you to do that to get that uh, wrong absolutely (laughs) oh so i was speaking to their lawyer and it's i'm going this is kind of ridiculous isn't it and it's like well we want you to publish a correction it's like, okay, I will write a correction. Sure. So and, say, and so my correction was, we apologize for saying that Mr. John Smith currently serving a life sentence in whatever penitentiary for beating his eight-year-old son to death with a belt. <laughs> That's the way to do it. In, would lived in Georgia and went to church in Tennessee, whereas, in fact, Mr. John Smith, who beat his son to death with a oh belt my God. and is currently serving a life sentence, was the other way around. So those things are just fun. Yeah, that's yeah. doing it right. Carrie herself, uh, you were sued, threatened with being sued by oh, the yeah, Raelians. Oh, yeah, the Raelians, yeah. They, well, was... they they threatened to sue us on the show, mm-hmm. and then they also threatened to sue Skeptical Inquirer, yep. Uh, yeah, they, they were putting the, the pressure on wherever they could. Because yep. you were saying they were sex-obsessed. No, because... Oh, it, was the sex-obsessed people... They are sex-obsessed. I'll say it here. They are yeah. sex-obsessed. But no, it was that they had put out materials many years ago suggesting that parents mm. should encourage sort of mutual masturbation with their children. Okay. Which they had. Right. 
Yeah, and there's that thing that if you're telling on the Nick's truth, face. you're kind of okay. No, but that, that was some fun conversations back and forth, which I'm sure. were just like, I, I was just winding them up, but uh. the up by the end because, you know, we're not backing down on this. You, you enjoy that kind of exchange? I do. I, I do like, there's a lot of lawyers who are bullies. Mm-hmm. Um, not just lawyers, but in particular, people try to use the law mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. bullying ways. And for example, mm-hmm. back this back when I worked for profit, I used to volunteer at a legal clinic mm-hmm. where you would just deal with these incredibly small matters that could normally be taken care of in with one letter on letterhead, like somebody's landlord was not repairing their hot water and these sort of things. And they make a huge difference to the person concerned. And also it gives you the chance to play the caped crusader because Mm. they would always try when dealing with the low income person, they try and maintain they knew the law on this and try and use the law to bully them. Yeah. And when you can come in and just turn it around and it's like, no, you're dealing with somebody who actually knows what, yeah talking about mm. now because it can be used as such an intimidation yeah. factor for yes. people who don't know the law and or he- have connections yeah. and here are 15 countersuits i will bring against you if you proceed in this and you want to play this game let's play this game that's yeah. awesome but understand i'm an awful lot better at it yeah. than you are. <laughs> um, so it'll be bad for you and and you get like that with some of the some of the complaints we get against articles written i mean we we write a lot of articles about fake doctors and Mm -hmm. psychics and they get really mad when you call them grief vampires as i believe Mm. the the Mm -hmm. fun term for psychics so mediums anyway yeah yes Mm -hmm. yes uh yeah those who who claim to talk to the dead Mm -hmm. so i i do enjoy that side of it i mean there are frustrating things because i'm the guy who tells you to stop having fun yeah mm-hmm. um, you come to me and ask can i do this and it's like probably but i'd sleep a lot better if you didn't do it mm-hmm. so i'm the mm-hmm. killjoy has um, nick killed your fun carrie no i don't no That's i don't think so i can't of think of, of any time you you're scared of me <laughs> absolutely terrified <laughs> <laughs> what do you think i'll do i have no idea and that's oh, what scares oh, okay me. all right i don't know how i earned this but i'm proud <laughs> <Right>. of it <laughs> but no you haven't i've never had to tell you no but i've had to tell so. some of the people it's like i the word quack for example yes. is oh, yeah. a very yeah. bad word to use in certain unless has legal ramifications yes. yeah um, and i know it, i get writers saying to me well this person is a quack and i'm going i know that and you know that right yeah what, what are mean, the words you can use bullshitter oh <laughs> all of those yeah it's long but quack has a very specific history mm. um mm-hmm. that that was the whole premise of penn and teller's bullshit is yeah. that they said well we can't call these people falsely practicing all, mm-hmm. all these other more sophisticated terms but we can call them assholes we can call them bullshitters yeah and Quack as well has a very specific meaning that can get you in trouble on that because if a person believes what they're doing, so if like a naturopath ah. believes what they're doing, I think technically they're not a quack. Oh, so there's oh. some intent applied. Like, like, yeah, so like a, people okay. get, knows what they are doing mm, is... People are pedantic about lying. Like, oh, well, you're only lying if you consciously know yes. that what you're saying is false. Oh, interesting. That's how I interpret that word. Yeah. I wouldn't even find that pedantic. Yes. When the, yeah, when the New York Times said, like, that's why we don't say Trump is lying, we can't because prove he's lying. I was like, yeah, obviously. Stupid. Yeah, well, I'm I, on the New York Times' side on that. And I think I think you have kind of a common understanding 
understanding of peddling false information versus, you know, yeah, knowingly mm-hmm, deceiving mm-hmm. others. And uh, yeah, I, I think it gets used interchangeably in both. And I, I think mm. right. the conversation can often just be a distraction. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I get the technical sense there. Yeah. And so just so people who are listening who think like, oh, shoot, should I not be calling people quacks now? You're not saying like, I, I think people often get confused about if someone can sue me, what does that mean? Does it mean it's illegal? Does that mean that I'm going to actually go bankrupt or whatever, you can do these things. There are just risks attached to them. And you need to understand what those risks are. And lawsuits are like robbing banks. You know, you rob banks because that's where the money is. And in a lawsuit, (laughs) you tend to sue the people with the deep pockets. Mm -hmm. Sure. One of the first lawsuits I was ever involved with, I sat in on a deposition, which was a pastor from Tennessee who had uh, received like 75% body burns from a static shock uh, fire at a gas pump. Mm. Whoa. And we were representing the rubber company that had manufactured the hose that connected the pump to the, That's the other I'd, pump. I'd heard that, that was kind of an unfounded fear that that Right, and, and I'm sure it oh, was an yeah. unfounded fear. I never went all the way through on this case, but he had actually... Suffered burns, and it, it, you know, the part of the defense was that he had made stupid decisions himself, ah. like he was filling it up in the back of his pickup truck, and oh. he was filling an open container. And, oh, right, ah, okay. <laughs> but again, story. when you look at it, you don't want to put a pastor who volunteers at a camp, summer camp for underprivileged children, you know, putting him on the stand. He's going to be appealing to the jury wherever they're not going to care that he made mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we. Mm. I mean, so clearly there was no way that the manufacturer of the rubber hose had anything to do with this accident, mm. whatever happened. But it was a fortune whatever company. It was a very ah. big company. So you you bring yeah. now, I'd, and I've completely forgotten what question you asked me that <laughs> led me to this sort of talk. Uh, we were talking about how when something is not illegal, but there's a risk right. attached to it. Yeah, if person who's listening on this who decides and, you know, they're posting on Facebook or their blog, the doctor whatever down the street is a quack, you know, I went in mm. and he did this. Yeah, I mean, could the doctor sue you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, will the doctor win? Will the doctor win? Probably, Probably not. not. Also, mm. why would they sue you? It's just not worth their time right. because of the Streisand effect and things. On yeah. That. On the other hand... The we, Streisand effect being they're bringing a lot of attention to themselves yes. like Barbara Streisand did when she tried to keep people from posting photos of her beachside property. And then everybody wanted to see pictures of her property. Beachside property. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and yeah, I mean, they, they will sue... People, world-famous podcast hosts such as yourselves or magazines like Skeptical Inquirer that carry you know, publishers insurance. And and oftentimes it seems like some of the benefit to be had is just in terms of being able to publicize that the lawsuit is taking place. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, look, we sued so-and-so. Mm-hmm. At least now mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a news item. It's a publicity mm-hmm. release. And now when other people dare to go against us, we can say, we sued these other people. You don't want to mess with us. Which mm. at law school was always called mm-hmm. the Sears strategy. Ah. Like Sears uh, Roebuck with the catalog had uh-huh. a policy. If you didn't pay, uh-huh. regardless of how small the debt was, they would take it to court. 
in the end. Whoa. Despite the fact they'd lose thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars on an individual case. Yeah. They created the reputation. They want people to fear. Yeah, we are not the people to not pay. Oh, like the director who fires someone the first day on set just so everyone else knows he doesn't put up with shit. Make an example of of this one. Um, Huh. Huh. That seems like that could really backfire too. Yeah, Yeah, and and there are companies out there and there there are people who are known to be litigious. I mean, one of them in located largely in Los I, Angeles. I was just going to say, a, when we is a religion. When we um, Scientology is what Nick's talking about. Uh, when notice, <laughs> I did not <laughs> say the word. Careful, Nick was being. <laughs> when Ross and I investigated Scientology, you have no idea the number of emails and phone calls we got that were like, "You guys need to be careful. They love to sue people." And we were like, "Oh my god, we never what? heard about that. Yeah. This is oh, totally thanks for letting us. me know." Oh my god. But I, I think that had just worked on everybody's minds. Where oh, it was absolutely. just like, they're too scary. Synonymous. Yeah, and it, it's always been, I mean, I would love a lawsuit against Scientology. I would love to bring one. I can make that but happen But it's got to be a good one because... <laughs> Is she they, scaring they, you with again? The way they, with the way they fight. Right. I need to have all the ducks in a row before mm-hmm. going into that. But I, I'll, I'll happily look at it. And people have brought me various cases, and I'm just like, no, I'm sorry, this. Yeah, I sympathize with you, right? And I understand this, but I just can't win against their resources on the fact that your father gave away your right. inheritance to them. Yep, because it was his yep. money. Yeah, um, something horrible can happen to you, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have recourse in the right. courts. And and even if you do technically speaking have a legal recourse, you just you may well not win. Mm-hmm, right. So uh, much strategy. Yeah, I don't think it's any secret that I on many church state separation lawyers would love to see a <laughs> yes. suit against um, or see them lose their tax exempt status. Yeah, I, I actually I I find that. I'm very much torn on that. Oh. Me too. On I'm hand, against it. Actually, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really. It's like, yeah. Is Scientology a religion? Yes. And there are people out there who will say no mm-hmm. on it. I'm not a philosopher. I mean, I don't know exactly how we define religion. I'm incredibly wary of giving the government the power to determine yep. what is huh? a religion and mm. what isn't. I agree. Because they will not use that power for good. Mm-hmm. Like, Germany has banned Scientology, I believe. I think it was Sweden? I thought uh, it was Sweden. I, I well, had anyway. Germany in mind, but oh, okay. yeah, um, Maybe and it's then. very disturbing when yeah. Germany starts doing anything to do with religion. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah, curtailing, uh, yeah, um, free speech or religion. So, yeah. I'd mm-hmm. love to see when Scientology breaks the law. I'd love to see it nailed to the wall for mm-hmm. any mm. legal breaks that may occur because ideally you always want the problems for those groups to come from the bottom up you want people in a grassroots level to realize this is wrong and turn away from it but that's not always possible sometimes you do need a Mm top-down approach where you say you know what we're gonna slap you on the wrist and say cut that out in an ideal world people would stop buying homeopathy right, because exactly. it's right. nonsense and and as i've explained to the people at cvs and walmart that is our job is to educate people for the the positive reasons why don't buy this stuff. Yeah. But their job is to not trick people into buying homeopathy. So Absolutely. Yeah, I mean we have we have pretty strict laws on this and I I would be worried if I saw uh, religious groups losing those kind of tax exemptions. Now, maybe we need to change the entire system of tax exemptions mm-hmm. as they apply 
so that it's consistent. Yes. Mm. That's that's a perfectly legitimate argument. But when when we start focusing in on and like looking particularly at certain like isolating religions. Though though I think you can also point to just in Scientology's case, the origin of how they got that tax Mm -hmm. exempt status Mm -hmm. and that there was a ton of bullying and subterfuge involved in that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and there's that great old quote of if i wanted to make a million dollars i uh, former religion yeah it may be that apocryphal was, that was overheard oh, it, it may be yeah 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 harlan ellison said he heard elron right. hubbard say that and yet it makes no legal difference here we get to mm-hmm. that right here we get to that problem of lying again you know i think the problem is you could never fully prove that someone right. actually knows right that they're giving false information yeah they could be deluded they could be yeah yes yeah, so it, it, it unfortunately yeah, I, I mean, I describe homeopathy as the Scientology of alt med because mm-hmm. it's like the really out there one. And- right, oh, right. I have a, a, a Mormon cousin, the husband of my cousin, and he works for the church. And one time he asked me, you know, why is it that Christians and atheists can kind of get together and poke fun at Mormons? Oh, right. And so my response was, well, kind of for the same reason you and I could have a really fun conversation about Scientology. Because mm-hmm. for us, it's just, it stands out like, well, that's obviously, that can't be true. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of sort of the... And he said, oh. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of things in that sort of like the underwear, the mm-hmm. the multiple wives, you yeah. know, sort of um, yeah. not that that happens anymore, but the... Well. But it, <laughs> there are all religions, if you do an analysis of them, you can describe them in ways that just make them look fundamentally ridiculous. Yeah, the, the outsider yeah. the, test of so, faith. You worship, yeah, the, this zombie guy who... <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry, you drink his blood? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and you can make those, and it, it, what is, there's the whole argument of what's the difference between a religion and a cult, and whether it's, mm-hmm. is it time, is it... Size. The is obscurity it you of its foundings. Castrate people and get them to commit suicide while waiting for <laughs> a UFO to arrive. Probably puts it pretty firmly in the cult. Mm-hmm. There's so many gray areas. <laughs> But, you know, you can't have the government making that decision. Yeah. It's oh, like yeah. They, good point. The, the government simply can't be saying these are the acceptable religions and yeah. these are the, Fair the bad enough. ones, which is, which is why, in my mind, this whole notion of exemptions to general laws for mm. a religion, I don't see any way of doing that fairly because you yeah. can just... Just tax churches. Right. Just tax churches. Well, I would like to see churches treated the same as other nonprofits for tax mm-hmm. exemptions. Oh, okay. Okay. So sure, that's better. At the moment, they have there to is demonstrate a, a certain fiscal responsibility yeah. and positive impact. There's a specific category that you like religious groups. They have to publish their earnings. So let them apply as educational groups. Let the absolutely the Catholic Church that has a soup kitchen. That soup kitchen should be tax exempt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. just not sure the building with the nice stained glass window and mm-hmm. everything, that that side of it should automatically be tax exempt. Make them file the same information we file. That's that's the first stage mm-hmm. is um, let's make it fair. Yeah. I like it. I like it too. Well, obviously the legal system can be used many different ways and for good and for ill. We really appreciate having people like you out there using it for good. Thank you. I agree. Thank you. (laughs) Well, that's it for our show. 
Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can support this and all our interviews and investigations at MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. We'd also really like to thank CFI for uh, housing us here. Jim Underdown for having us in his office tonight. Yeah, you can also follow us on social media at Oh No Podcast on Twitter. And Facebook.com forward slash ONRAC, O-N-R-A-C. Oh, and maybe go to my Etsy store. There may still be shirts. They're this selling. Is released. If not, go look at my Etsy store anyway. Be sure to uh, give us positive ratings wherever you found us, wherever you download us, tell your friends about us, and uh, spread the word. And remember, homeopathy is really, really, really stupid. Don't buy it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> This is Amy Mann. And I'm Ted Leo. And we have a podcast called The Art of Process. We've been lucky enough over the past year to talk to some of our friends and acquaintances from across the creative spectrum to find out how they actually work. And so I have to write material that makes sense and makes people laugh. I also have to think about what I'm saying to people. If I kick your ass, I'll make you famous. The fight to get LGBTQ representation in the show. Mm -hmm. We weirdly don't know as many musicians as you would expect. I really just became a political speechwriter by accident. Accident of realizing that I have accidentally uh, pulled my pants down. <laughs> Listen and subscribe at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast. It's like if the guinea pig was complicit in helping the scientist. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.